The Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love again. I'm here with Tom Dobbins, and it is our weekly conversation about what's going on in the world. We talk about topics that relate to the broad problems dealing with our world. And but we view them through the prism of our Catholic social teaching. Thank you for being with us on Just Love. Hey Tom, we are kind of at the end of summer. Mm-hmm. You know, if we kind of consider Labor Day the end of summer, I know September 21st, all of those type of things. Um, but uh, so give me your assessment. How has your summer been? Oh, my summer's been actually my summer's been great, my senior. Um, okay. You know, we I got a chance. I got down to the Jersey Shore for a little bit okay. uh, and got into the ocean, which is always, uh, you know, a big favorite of mine. And the weather was uh, the weather was pretty was was I mean, not the weather, the waves, the waves were pretty rough, which I like. So I got a chance to body surf and everything. And wow. so and we have beautiful days. So I, I can't really complain. I got in the ocean. You know, the weather wasn't too hot. Um, it was a good summer. How about how about yeah. yours? Was yours was yours good? My summer was good. Um, and I think for the sake of a lot of people, I did manage to get uh, 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 I got a little bit of a time time off, which um, because of what was going on last summer with, you know, the influx of asylum mm-hmm. seekers, I really didn't get too much. Um, I didn't really get time time off. But this year I was able to take, you know, um, a week here and a week there. So I think that was good. Um, and I also had a business trip, which I think I have spoken with, where I had to where I went with a group of clergy to uh, to Israel, Palestine. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was very that was kind of at the early part of the summer. So it was it's been a it's been a, a good summer. It's also been very, very busy in a lot of different ways because, you know, we're not in what I always used to say was a situation where, um, you know, things almost settled down and there wasn't much going on, you know, in the summer. And but that's not the case anymore. Right. Things just keep going on and on. And I also think that given COVID and the fact that now, <clears throat> You know, we work from everywhere where you don't have to go into the office. You may be not in the office, but you're still accessible. And I know there are all these self-help books which talk about, you know, turning off one's phone, (laughs) all of those. I I get those things. I don't I don't put them down. But the reality is that for most of us, you know, we're still connected, even Mm -hmm. when we're away. And, you know, whether you're reading you know, the news online, you know, whether you're reading your emails or texts, you know, you can try. And I think it's good mm-hmm. and you should try to. But it's a little, it's really hard most times to be completely disconnected. Exactly. But, I think you're right, Monsieur. <laughs> but I will, but I'll tell you a little bit of a story. I'll tell you two stories, which I think are, are kind of um, interesting in light of me picking on you but not doing enough with regard to ice cream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when I was away, one of the weeks I was away, where I was staying was in the middle of the block. But at the corner of the block was um, was an ice cream store. Oh, okay. So my, my kind of treat on the f- nights that I was there is I would take a little bit of a walk down to the ice cream store and I would, I would get a little cup of ice cream. And that was kind of my summer, one of my summer treats. Now I have to confess that I'm, I'm a little boring when it comes to it (laughs) because my default flavor is cookies and cream. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I'm not very adventuresome ice cream, you know, sometimes I'll try something different, but, but cookies and cream is my, my go-to flavor. Uh, cookies so, and cream. I think my senior is. I th- I love cook- cookies and cream. I think you know it's not quite not an adventurous. I think you know it's got a little chocolate in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, but but you know it's interesting. When I was growing up a long time ago, 
my go-to was vanilla fudge. Oh, okay. Okay. And I see less of that and more mm-hmm. of cookies and cream. Yep. And I think kind of cookies and cream has become the kind of successor yes. to, to, uh, to, uh, to vanilla fudge. So I just I want agree. you to know that I, I did, uh, I kind of did that and I, I did my cookies and cream thing when I as part of part of being on being uh, away on vacation. Oh, that's great, Monsignor. Very good. I had ice cream on vacation too, Monsignor, at the Jersey Shore. So I did my I did my duty. What flavor? (laughs) What flavors? Oh, I had. uh, Well, it was a brownie a la mode, so it was plain vanilla, but it had a beautiful, big, thick brownie underneath. So you had the chocolate, you had the vanilla. It was really good. Okay, so that is that that is great. So anyway, so um, all right. So let's go to our first guest. Our first guest is Leticia Fabinet, who is a Pierre Toussaint graduate scholar. She's a graduate of Binghamton University, and she also uh, participated in World Youth Day in Lisbon, Portugal. Fabinet, thank you. Leticia, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on the show, um, on seniors. Nice to speak to you. Great. So, um, so where do you want to begin? So, why don't you tell us, our listeners, so that they get to know a little bit? Tell us what the Pierre Toussaint Scholar Program is about. Sure, of course. So, the Pierre Toussaint Scholarship Program is part of the Archdiocese of New York. We are a scholarship program for college students who. Are active in their parishes and their communities, um, you know, parishes throughout the archdiocese. Um, and you can apply in your senior year. We have three main pillars, which are academic excellence, involvement in the faith community, um, and just being a service to others. Um, Pierre Toussaint is uh, a Black Catholic from New York who's on the path to sainthood, and he dedicated his life to um, service of others. And so he has a really beautiful story, and he kind of is what we inspire you to be as scholars um, in the Pierre Toussaint program. Okay. And where'd you go to school? So I graduated from Binghamton and I'm currently a master's student at Binghamton. Um, so I am pursuing my master's right now in public administration. Okay. Um, so if you don't tell all of our listeners, uh, we'll keep this our secret. Um, I have a master's in public administration. Oh, interesting. So, um <laughs> Uh, so I think it's, I think it's a good degree and I hope that you get a lot out of it. I think I got a lot out of my degree. So, um, so tell me, let's, let's, I don't, listeners may not care, but I care. How far along in the program are you? So I actually, um, am doing a four plus one program. So I started, um, in my senior year of undergrad, um, and I'll be graduating in May. So I have this year left. Okay. Okay. Are you liking the program? I love the program. Yeah. I would like to become an immigration lawyer. So this is kind of helping me to introducing me to policy and how to be an administrator. Um, you know, public service is something that um, I hold close to my heart. So um, I'm learning a lot of different um, things in, in regard to those areas. Well, I I certainly would strongly, strongly encourage you in that direction. And, and, you know, as as you probably know this, but I'll give you a little bit of a kind of career hint. Um, The market for immigration attorneys is wide open. So you will not be without a job if you pursue that. So um, in addition to doing good and public service, you'll be able to, uh, you'll be able to earn a living. So it's it's good. So you wound up in World Youth Day. How'd you wind up there? So um, the Pierre Toussaint scholarship just has a lot of great opportunities throughout the year for the scholars. And when I saw it in the announcements for um, one of one of the months we got an announcement, I was like, I really, really want to go to World Youth Day because I had heard so many great things about it. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what it entailed, but it just sounded like a great opportunity um, to be in one place with millions of people who shared my faith and who shared similar values as me. Um, And I love the scholars in the program. So I knew we were going to have a good time together. Um, And so when 
they asked me if I wanted to go. I said yes. And yeah. So tell us about it now, because I didn't go. Now, again, a little bit of a disclaimer. I have been to probably 10 World Youth Days um, uh, before I became old and decrepit. So, um, so I've been to them, but I want to hear about your experience in Lisbon. Yeah, so I think World Youth Day is one of the most uh, unique things I've been a part of um, in my 22 years of life, I guess. <laughs> um, but it was really amazing just to see how, you know, Portugal is a very small country. And so to see millions and millions of people from all over um, the world coming to that one place and um, seeing that we were all um just so joyful to be there and so joyful to be sharing in our faith was really amazing. I think uh, young people sometimes get discouraged when they feel like they don't have people they can identify with or um, especially, you know, with their faith. And so being there was just very, very impactful. And I know a lot of um, a lot of teenagers and a lot of just youth were just left that feeling feeling great about their faith and feeling encouraged and, um, you know, excited to live their faith. Mm -hmm. So, Tisha, for our listeners, who many of whom probably have never gone to World Youth Day, could you be a little bit like concrete and granular? Like how many days were there? What did you do each day? I mean, did you just sit around and hold hands or what? Tell, Give us a little bit of the itinerary of what you did on the five or six days that you were there? Sure. So we um, we were in a bigger group. Um, a group from the Archdiocese was organized um, and we were led by Bishop Espaillat, which was an amazing um, guide throughout it all and like a spiritual guide for it. But um, we were there for about a week. He's a little bit quiet and understated, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's so full of life and just so youthful. And he's been through so many World Youth Days. So he was able to share his experience. He um, you know, kind of guided us through some of the spiritual things that we were we were going to experience, and it was great to have him. But um, we were there for about seven days. We started off in Fatima, actually, which um, I don't think every pilgrim was able to do. So that was something we were lucky. We were able to visit the city of Fatima and visit the sanctuary um, and get to really walk the land where um, Our Lady appeared to the three young children. It was it was really beautiful. But we spent um, about a day, a day or two in Fatima, and then we headed to Lisbon. And throughout the week, we were able to attend catechesis um, courses, um, which were led by bishops on various different topics um, within the church. And we did daily mass. Yeshua, some of our listeners may not know that fancy word, catechesis. What does yeah. that mean? So it's kind of just a, um, like, not a class, but um, the bishop's just shared their knowledge and um, what the church has to say on topics like um, in the environment, um, what it is to be um, a young person in the church. There were various dip- different topics that the bishops were um, kind of assigned to talk to us about. Um, and during those catechesis or, or those, those classes, you would you could say, um, we had the opportunity to ask questions and give our insight and our experiences with that topic. And so it was re- a really great way to hear from other people and kind of everybody's experience on whatever that um, session was on. Okay. So in addition to, we're speaking with <clears throat> Leticia Babinet, who is a Pierre Toussaint scholar, she was, graduate of Binghamton University, and was part of the pilgrimage to World Youth Day that was held in Portugal in early August. Um, So, Leticia, in addition to the catechesis, what other activities were there? Um, so we were able to participate in daily mass, which was also something that was really beautiful, um, adoration throughout the week. Um, we also, there were concerts that were just going on throughout the city of Lisbon that you could just walk up to. And it was whatever language was there. It was really cool to see people just jumping and, um, singing in, in their, their language. So that was going on throughout the city. Um, there was a really cool vocational fair. So there were a lot of, um, different uh, groups 
um, missionary groups, um, and things like that, that we were able to learn more about. Um, and yeah. Now, <clears throat> most World Youth Days, and I think this one was the same, there are at least a few big group events that kind of almost everybody participates in. Could you speak to us about those? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess the the climax of the entire event is the um, Saturday night uh, vigil. So that was the most extraordinary experience I've ever had in my life. And we were there, we slept on this field, um, which was just dirt and and rocks. And we had our sleeping bags and millions of us were out on the field in this park in Lisbon. And we um, had the Pope come by and he, um, he welcomed us there and he led an adoration, uh, which was beautiful, seeing the silence and in the midst of all of that, all of those people, everybody kneeling, you could hear a pin drop. It was, I can't even explain like how beautiful that was to be part of that. So we all came together um, during that, um, during that event. And the next morning we all celebrated mass and we received communion. And again, just, just seeing all of that happening um, in one place with so many people was I don't even know how they organized all that first of all but like it was so cool it was so cool that is good how was the weather it was very hot (laughs) (laughs) um so it made um for a challenging pilgrimage but it was definitely rewarding um we kind of you know just relied on each other's encouragement and um positivity to kind of get through the walking that we were doing and I think that's the best part of a pilgrimage. So <clears throat> except for the night that you were, that you stayed overnight, did you stay in like a hotel or places during, for the rest of the week? Yeah. So we stayed in a hotel. So we, um, throughout the week we would travel with public transportation and then we would make our way back to the hotel, but we were, we were always out really early and we would come back uh, pretty late. <laughs> Um, as you can probably can imagine how much traffic there was with public transportation and trying millions of people trying to get on a train or on a bus. Um, but it was fun nonetheless. So if you, Leticia, if you could kind of highlight one of the moments of the, of the pilgrimage that really, really kind of stood out for you. Now, I know you talked about the vigil, but is there any particular thing that you experienced, you saw, that really was very moving to you? Um, There were a lot of things, but I I guess this is not like a particular moment, but um, we were all, you know, the the fun fun part about World Youth Day is that you get to kind of like trade wristbands and little trinkets with people um, that you see. And maybe you don't know what they're saying, but like you're exchanging something and you're like, hey, like, um, and that was all really, really fun. And even though we couldn't communicate, let's say, we right. were still like having a great time together. We laughed together. Um, So that was definitely really memorable to see, like, even in our differences and in our diversity, um, it was it was fun. And we still were able to, you know, to still communicate in in a way, you know, so. Um, So did you exchange trinkets? I did. Uh, I came back with a lot of different bracelets, um, like buttons and pins. (laughs) And we also gave stuff from which country was kind of the most unusual for you that you that you got a trinket? unusual um I think I have a favorite (laughs) which is your favorite um my favorite was um I got like a little it was like a little rosary or like a decade of a rosary that you can kind of wear as a ring or just hold on to um my my parents are Brazilian so um and this person that gave gave it to me was she happened to be Brazilian I just kind of stumbled upon her um and she was like here you can take this and I actually didn't have anything to give away at that moment and I was really sad that I couldn't give her something but it was nice that she gave that to me (laughs) that that's great so let me ask you this um would you go again in a few years to another one a hundred percent when the pope announced the next one, it'll, it's going to be in 2027. 
Um, I'll be 26. I think I'm still young enough to go. <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to be the in next South one in, Is the next one in Asia someplace? Yes, it'll be in South Korea. So um, I'm, I really hope that I can go. And I encourage anybody who has the opportunity um, to definitely to definitely go. Well, that is great. Lakeisha Fabinet, a Pierre Toussaint graduate scholar and a recent pilgrim to the 2023 World Youth Day in Lisbon. Leticia, I am so happy that you had a great experience there, and thank you for sharing that. And I hope you get to go again, and I hope people listening who maybe haven't gone will be um, kind of their interest peaked that they might go the next time. So, Leticia, thank you for being with us on Just Love. Thank you so much for having me, um, representing the Pierre Toussaint program, and thank you for your support as well of the program. Um, I know we do a lot of things with Catholic charities, and um, we appreciate all of that as well. So when you you become an immigration attorney, come back to speak to us, and we have a great legal immigration uh, department, and you'd be more than welcome to apply for that. Thank you. Yeah, please pray for me. (laughs) Great. Okay. Leticia, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Um, hey, Tom, have you, um, you, you ever been to World Youth Day? I haven't, Monsieur. That whole phenomenon kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit long in the tooth for World Youth Day. They didn't really have them back uh, at that, you know, when I was, you know, I guess in that young age. Although they were happening when I was 26. So maybe okay. I could have actually gone to one, but okay. I never actually went. But I know you did, Monsieur. You went, I, yes. I remember you went I to did. some. All right, Uh, Tom, let's take a break. Um, Just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. This is our weekly conversation about the church and the world. Join us when we come back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Now let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. This is our weekly conversation about what's going on in the world from the perspective of our Catholic social teaching. Tom, did you know? I know you said that you didn't go on World Youth Day, um, but do you know people who have? Uh, I, I, I know people through. Like, you know, I know Bishop Espayad and I know uh, some other folks here through Catholic Charities that have gone. I, you know, like in my, my, I guess my cohort of the people my age, you know, they were a little bit older. They didn't really go. So I didn't really know people my, like my own age, but I know younger people that did. You know, I know, I know younger folks that did. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, <clears throat> so let's, um, let's go to um, Rob Van Tassel who is the president, the chief executive officer of Catholic Charities in Hawaii, and um, will speak about the response to those impacted by the devastating uh, wildfires on Maui. Um, Rob Van Tassel, thank you for taking the time to be with us on Just Love. Oh, thank you for having me, Monsignor. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here, unfortunately, under these circumstances, so. Yeah, and I, I, I will. I am just grateful for your being generous with your time. Um, you know, for those of us who are not in Hawaii, and we've been following this, but maybe could you begin a little bit by telling us just the broad strokes of what happened, the devastation, mm-hmm. what exactly did happen? Sure. Well, the town of Lahaina, which was the town that was hit by this, is on the west side of Maui. Um, it's somewhat isolated in and of itself. It's a journey to get there. Uh, it's a very dry area now of the island as uh, much of the water has been redirected um, over 100 years ago for plantations. So it's um, it has a lot of non-native invasive species of brush and whatnot. Um but the people there are wonderful. Those, those who are of the lineage of that land, of that Aina, as we say, um, are wonderful, beautiful, hospitable people. 
and the town has been com pretty much completely wiped out. Uh, shortly after the wildfires, when we were allowed to um, drive through the area, my COO and I went, and um, we had been talking along the way. She was uh, had spent a good portion of her life there in Maui, and we were talking about it. She was describing some of her memories of the area, and once we were in view of the devastation, it, we just went silent in the car. It was just complete silence. We had no words for what we saw. Um, everything, everything was black. It was ash. And I think as a lot of people have heard, there were a few structures still standing. One of those was uh, Maria Lanikila, which is uh, Our Lady of Victory, Mary of Victory. And that church is still standing. Um, so we were on our way there to go visit their mission church, which you have to, it is up from there called Kapalua, this a resort community. And in that resort community, there's a mission church, um, Sacred Heart Mission, and that's where we were headed to. So it's it's um, it's very barren, uh, but uh, it was like a blowtorch is how it's been described. The fire just ripping through the town is all, most structures are made of wood. They're very old. Some of them had even been treated with creosote. Uh, all the piers had been, which acted as an accelerant. Um, there were many, many factors that went into it. And there's just the, the people, the devastation for the people is there's just a lot of grieving. Many are still in shock and trauma. Um, and we can talk a little bit about what we're doing to work with those folks. But um, I think most people have seen the pictures and have a good understanding. But once you're there and you can see it, you can feel it, uh, you can smell it. Um, it's quite overwhelming. Yeah. And, and, and again, although you didn't mention it, there was a significant loss of life in addition to the the, oh, yes. the, the, the destruction of property. Correct. Yeah, there's um, so far, I believe the count's um, over 100, it's 115 or something, I believe. Um, thousands are still unaccounted, over a thousand are still unaccounted for. So there's much grieving and, and anxiety around those that are missing. Um, I'm hearing some counts from people here that um, believe that we're going to see a much higher um, death toll than what we've seen so far. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's just a lot. It's a, a lot to take in. I think I've heard that it's one of the largest death tolls in over 100 years in, in, a, in a wildfire. Wow, it is. And, you know, it, you, you did point out that the church there is still standing. Um, does that seem like, like it just is like strange, unusual, because I assume from what you said, the church was in the area where all the fires were. Yeah. The buildings there are all burning. The, I talked to the vicariate of the island of Maui, Monsignor Terry Watanabe, and, um, he was working with Father Kay, who is the priest there. And they they decided, um, I believe it was around six o'clock, that he needed to go. That all the buildings around him were burning, and some of the church property buildings had started to burn, like the school. So he left. Uh, it's too early to say for sure, but the church is made out of coral, so it was saved. But that church is now acting as a beacon of hope, as an icon, as a symbol for us of the resurrection and life, um, you know, life to come in the future. But right now we're really focusing on the grieving that's going on and being present to the, to the families there. We're speaking with Rob Van Tassel, who is the president and CEO of Catholic Charities Hawaii. We're speaking about the devastating wildfires on Maui. So Rob, as you, you mentioned just a minute or so ago, would you now like to kind of share with our listeners what Catholic Charities of Hawaii is doing to kind of respond to this devastating tragedy. Sure, sure. So Catholic Charities Hawaii is the largest social service provider here in the state of Hawaii. Um, most recently, um, during COVID, we got out um, one of the largest amounts in, in, the, in the whole country in terms of rental relief. Uh, together with our partner agency, Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement, we got out about 250 million in rental relief. We're the primary rental relief provider on the 
island of Maui still. So we're continuing to do that. So that's one of the um, one of the ministries that we're doing there. Of course, we're also working um, with grief counselors. Um, we have staff that'll be coming out there soon. Our own staff, plus we already have offers from around the country to come and help us out in that. It's going to be a long, long um, recovery. And we set up an immediate post with the uh, Knights of Columbus and Epic Ministries here um, at the Sacred Heart Mission Church in Kapalua that I mentioned before, which is about eight miles or so outside of Lahaina. And that's where a lot of families went when they had to evacuate. So we're working with the families there at the church. Um, we're distributing food and other essentials that people need. Um, I helped a family move in, a family of six, four children, mom and dad, um, children ages four to 13. And they lost everything. The dad was working, um, came home to check on the neighbor who he knew because the power had gone out in town, which was not uncommon from the brush fires that were um, rather frequent there. So he ran over to make sure his neighbor's generator had kicked in because she needed medical assistance and the equipment relied on electricity. Um, when he realized that it didn't work, he took some gasoline out of one of his cars and took the other one to go get gasoline in near, nearby town. In that period of time, he realized that the, uh, that the fire was now fast approaching on his home and he tried to call his wife and couldn't reach her because the cell phone towers weren't working. So on the way, um, what he had to do was stop up above on what's called the bypass, which sits up on a hill several hundred feet above town and look down at the fires and in stream anxiety, along with a few other families that were there uh, with the same concerns. Um, his wife, in the meantime, took the children, put them in the car, then realized there was no gas. So she ran back in to see if perhaps the phone line was working, the landline. And on her way out, the landline was not working, but on her way out, she grabbed one thing. She grabbed the crucifix on the wall by the door. And she ran out to get the kids out of the car and in the process, a stranger that she did not know. And mind you, this is a small community um, in a neighborhood that has one street in, one street out. Everybody knows each other. As you could tell, they were taking care of each other. And the stranger drives by and says, I have room for you, your children, and Jesus. Come on in. Hmm. And they got into the car and they drove to a safe place outside, that was well outside of the fire area. Uh, eventually, obviously, got together with um, with her father, her husband, but she never saw that stranger again, and nobody knows who it was. Wow! And when I helped the family move in, um, I saw the crucifix, and that's when I asked. I said, "This, this is, um, this is uh, your crucifix. Where did you get that? When somebody was giving that out at one of the stations or something?" And then she told me the story about how that's what they had. So they put that crucifix right up. Uh, in the Airbnb that they're staying at now temporarily. So we've helped out um, probably half a dozen families like that already, um, but probably fed over 250 people, three or four meals um, a day. Um, and people are different stages of grieving. So we're also working with them on that. We've got staff that are in the central Maui where our office is that are also working and coordinating with all the other volunteer efforts. And, uh, you know, like, uh, Red Cross, but also Maui United Way, a lot of other um, agencies that are doing work there in that area to get the distributions out. But there's still a lot of people without housing that don't wanna leave that west side of Maui. Um, they can't leave, live um, obviously in Lahaina for a long time, but um, they're trying to stay as close to that area as they can. We're speaking with Rob Ventasso, the president, chief executive officer of Catholic Charities of Hawaii and about the response to the devastating wildfires on on Maui, you know, Rob, that 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 story about the woman taking the crucifix, the person coming along with the car, you know, and you know, pardon me for being maybe a little bit whatever. If you know, if the person in the car didn't say, "We have room for you, your family, and Jesus," you might want to think it was Jesus who was driving driving that car, but maybe it was either the Holy Spirit or the yeah. Father who did but, it. Yeah, it, it, 
here we use the expression chicken skin. Um, some people might say goosebumps, but every time right. I tell that story, I get chicken skin. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's many, many, many more stories. That's just one um, story that I had. But one piece that I did forget was when she ran back in, she told me she also thought about running over to get the Statue of Mary, which was on the other side of the house. Right. And it came to her that, that she heard a voice in her head say, no, just take my son. I'll stay here to protect everything else. Wow. It was just, uh, yeah, it's amazing. They did, they did lose their, their home, but, um, they felt very safe, you know, they feel yeah. safe now. Yeah. So, you know, I know we, you mentioned over a hundred people died, but I assume there are hundreds upon hundreds who have lost their homes through fire. Any estimate of the extent of the loss of homes? You know, they've, they've talked so far in the terms of structures. I believe over... Sorry about that. So, okay. but, um, yeah, they... Uh, they about, about 850 to 1,000 mm-hmm. homes. And I guess those people need a place to live. That's right. That's right. Some are now coming in... They, Nobody is in shelters anymore. A lot of the hotels and resorts have opened up because if they don't, who's going to serve the people, the people that were the ones serving them were um, as so often we found in natural disasters like this, um, those immediately affected and affected the the most deepest and who are, whose lives are impacted the most are the poor, right? That's the, and so um, the homes up above on the hill, they're all fine. Um, those are really nice homes, uh, vacation homes, second homes. Um, right. Some people may be their primary home. All of the resorts, all of that are, are, with a few exceptions. There was a couple in Lahaina, smaller inns and whatnot, but the bigger resorts are all fine. Um, now, you said something which I think is very kind of important for our listeners even though there's still attention, probably, Robin, we can pick a time, two months from now, everybody will be moved on to the next tragedy or the next thing that happens. But what you just mentioned is, and I think our Catholic Charities agencies know this wherever we're working, that when something like this happens, recovery isn't a month, two months, three months. No. It takes a number of years for it to happen. You're in it for the long term, aren't you? Yeah, we've been here for, Marinol Sisters founded us 76 years ago. Before that, we were doing work. It's just, uh, you know, it wasn't officially incorporated, but we've probably been present doing this work for 100 years on the island. And we'll continue to be here long after this disaster and every um in every way we can to serve all of the people of Hawaii, regardless of their faith, regardless of their culture or background. Um, we're here for all peoples and, and for all time. That's the, that is the nature of the work we do. We are charged by the Bishop of uh, Honolulu, Bishop Larry Silva, for all souls of Hawaii. Yeah. So in looking at the devastation there, is will there be rebuilding where those houses came down or is everything it's, land and everything just it's, it's very toxic there right now right. um epa has been monitoring the air and if there's any kind of wind um they have to have everybody get out of the area so it it kind of hampers the work but what i'm hearing is it may take two years to clear out the dirt just yeah. the dirt to get back to and replace that there's going to be long discussions um the governor has said that the community will be highly involved, that the Native Hawaiian indigenous people will have a lot of say in how this is all done. That area, Lahaina, was actually, um, for the sovereign nation of Hawaii, that was their capital for a long time. So King Kamehameha, um, when he uh, incorporated and unified all of the islands, uh, decided on that location to be their um, their capital. So it's there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of um, feelings. There's a, there's opportunity, but there's much, much healing. And our role in that will be to just walk with the people, to, um, to be there with them, to be present with them, to get them the resources they need, to make sure that their voice is heard, 
to make sure that the uh, church is forever present and the presence of, of, uh, of Jesus is there with them in the, in the way of the gospel. You know, Rob, if, if, if I might just, you know, go back some 20 some odd years here to New York, when we had the man-made tragedy of the terrorist attack and the World mm-hmm. Trade Center, some of the things that that you're talking about in, in an entirely different type of disaster, entirely different um, place, 6,000 or more miles away, have some similarities because we have been dealing with and still mm-hmm. are dealing with some of the toxicity of the buildings going down. And we still have in New York here a a special center at Mount Sinai Hospital, which still is dealing with people who are dealing with some of the physical after effects of the toxic environment that was there. And, um, you know, Catholic Charities, while we're not a medical provider, we did collaborate with them in outreach to some of the workers who were there in order to make sure that they were aware of the services that were available and could access them. So, you know, and, you know, uh, if I might share a little bit of a, of a kind of maybe a little bit of a surprising positive thing, you know, in the, the months immediately after September 11th, in that lower part of Manhattan, everybody was writing it off. No one will ever want to work down there again. No one will ever go down there. Nobody will work in a tall building anymore. Well, you know, now 20 years later, that has become one of the more vibrant combination commercial residential areas in New York City. And also a number of nonprofit organizations have their headquarters down there. So it was it was touch and go for a few years, but now 20 years later, the vitality of that area is just over overwhelming. So, you know, it's very different, but I but I'm hearing some similarities in very different environments. You know, you're you're it's so true, and it's that paradox of holding as a community of hope and holding out that hope and uh being a, a people of hope, a community of hope and love, and also just embracing people where they are and understanding they need to grieve, right? So you can remember back to that time, uh, or like you said, over 20, what's it, 22 years ago, where yeah. at that immediate grief, um, you walked with those folks, you were there with them. And then, as you said, you began to connect them in with the resources and were there with them. So that's the same journey that we'll be on. And thank you for that. That does give us that that hope that yes, um, even in these darkest hours, um, you know we are still Jesus is still here and present with us, and uh, we are here as reminders to the community there um, that there is hope. And when we when we show up and we're just present, that ministry of presence it, it makes such a wonderful difference. But one other thing I did want to say too that you brought up, and I kind of ch- I'll challenge you on this, so I could let some of the folks know. Like you said, in two months from now, maybe a year from now, people have forgotten. I would love to be able to come back on here with you again and give you updates and let your audience know and those out there that um, whose hearts are with the people of Maui, um, what what's going on and, and how they can continue to help and participate in the in the rebuild and the recovery. Because um, right now we're still heavy in the grieving phase, but it means a lot to them because I've already had somebody say to me, well, in a matter of weeks, we'll become, you know, right now we're the disaster flavor of the month, but as soon as the next one comes along, that won't be. So I'd love to be able to give them that assurance that at least, um, you know, there are so, there are folks out there that care and are listening on a regular basis. That would be wonderful. Rob, you have an open invitation to come on as often as you would like to update right. us. And, you know, Tom, let's just make sure that, well, this is the end kind of the end of August, September. Why don't we make sure that, you know what we'll do, Rob? Maybe you come on around Christmas 
Okay. Holidays are a particularly, you know, emotional time for people anyway. And so maybe you share with us how Thanksgiving and Christmas is going on in those communities that were devastated only five months before that. Great. So we'll see you around Mele Kalikimaka. Okay. I I believe you. I, I hope you didn't curse it. I hope you didn't curse it, me and our listeners. <laughs> and see, uh, the other thing that I hope that I get a chance to talk about is where people who do want to join us and support and some financial assistance to those families. So it's your show. Well, okay. go ahead. Give it, tell us, listen, you know, CEOs got to do their job. So, so tell our listeners sure. uh, how, how, how we can help. Right. Go to our website, catholiccharitieshawaii.org. So it's just one word there, you know, .org, catholiccharitieshawaii.org. And then right when you get there, you'll see the Maui button and the donate for Maui. It's pink. Pink is that island's color. It represents one of the flowers that's predominant there. And uh, go ahead and click on that, and that gives you an opportunity to participate. But the other thing that that I also want to mention is prayers. We love the prayers. We feel the love. I'm going to go meet, as a matter of fact, that my, when my phone was ringing, that was one of the um, folks out there that I need to meet with was actually uh, the family that I was telling you about, the crucifix. Ah. And he wants to know, hey, when are you getting here? And, and, you know, what's going on? So when I could talk to him, he's a community leader there. They all look to him and let him know, hey, there are folks here are praying for you. That'll make a big difference. There was over 500 people at the mission church, their Sacred Heart Mission in Kapalua, that's, like I said, just eight miles away. And that church was packed to the gills and that mass, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye. The homily was beautiful. The music was deeply sung. You right. can feel the love and, and Jesus there with all of us. So um, thank you for the opportunity. So Rob, so let me, let me add something is you are more than welcome back and we'll schedule that the, you know, Thanksgiving Christmas time. But if you want to also bring on with you one of the families or one of the people impacted to share with our listeners their story, they are more than welcome to also. Oh, I would love to do that. And I don't know if I can wait till Christmas. Well, like a kid. whenever, the, whenever you're ready, <laughs> come on back on. All right. So, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Tom, your guy there. You, you got more than an open invitation. Well, thank you so much, Monsignor. I really, okay. really appreciate this. I, I know my mom's going to listen. For sure. So I got to well, say hi, Mom. You know, my cousin <laughs> listens too. So at least we know we're going to have two listeners this upcoming weekend. <laughs> okay. Rob Van Tassel, President and CEO of Catholic Charities Hawaii. And I just want to thank him and his team for walking with the people of Maui in this terrible, terrible, uh, devastating fires. And it's a long walk. And Rob and his people will be on the long pilgrimage uh, with with his people. Uh, Tom, let's take a break now. Uh, Just love. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and more compassionate. Join us when we come back in a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just, and it will be more compassionate. Hey, Tom, have you ever been to Hawaii? I have, Monsignor. It's, uh, it was, uh, I went back in the uh, mid-90s, and it was absolutely beautiful. I never got to Maui, though. I was only on Oahu. Uh, but it's, it, it was magnificent. It was a beautiful place. Beautiful. beautiful. I, assume, I assume it was kind of like a little bit of a break, a vacation. Yes, it was. Yes. No, that was that was not a working trip. That was a vacation trip. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I, I've never been there. And, you know, I think, you know, most of us on the East Coast, you know, it's a long way away. It's mm-hmm. 12 hours, et cetera. We tend to head to the Caribbean because right. we're here. Uh, but you, you would you recommend it? I would, Monsieur. Yeah, you know, I mean, the flight. Uh, I mean, we. I think I, I. You know, I remember when we got there. I remember the sun coming up, so we must have taken off at night. And there was a stop, 
I went from LA, you know, we right. made a stop in LA and then we went off from there, but I stayed for about two weeks and it was, it was beautiful. And the people, people are lovely. Um, and Honolulu is a big city, you know, and it's got high rises and such. But then if you get away from Honolulu, you go to the other side of the Island. It's as Rob was saying, you know, it's very rural and it's, and it's beautiful, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Well, that is, um, that is uh, good. You know, Tom, I was telling somebody the other day about um, the picture that you took mm. a few days before the World Trade Center towers came down. And yep. you probably have one of the last pictures of those towers standing. I think so, much. It was, it was actually, it was Catholic Charities USA. Right. It was their it was their event, and we were going over to Ellis Island, and I had a colleague who told me, uh, she said you should take a picture, and I had it's an Instamatic camera, right. and I said you know that really is pretty, and I took it, and then it wasn't until after the events occurred right. that I ran down to the photographer, and then when I came back, now he probably shouldn't have done this, but he had blown it up, and he put it he put it in the in his window. So, so he had, he had a picture of it too, but I have it actually hanging on my wall. Monsieur. Yeah. It was really, it was a, it was a really special picture. It really, it really, I'd like to see that again. So, okay. Okay. Let me, let me see it. Um, It was a, it's a great, uh, it was a great picture and it's um, the um, it's very, uh, it's, it's very moving. You know, it's one of the um, things that is, really, you know, I think common to Catholic Charities agencies throughout the country is that when a tragedy strikes, Catholic Charities is there. We're not the Red Cross, so we don't necessarily show up as the building is burning. We don't show up, you know, five minutes afterwards, but we're there very promptly. But the difference is, as Rob indicated, we're going to be there for the months and the years later, accompanying people who need the help long term. And so that is um, very um, so that is very important for us to um, to be. So thank you for being with us on Just Love. Just do it. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Join us again next week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM. 129. You're listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.